Welcome to the Chaos Plan, where the odds may not always be in your favor. Thank you for listening to this introduction of the Chaos Plan. We will be doing these regularly as part of the Homebrew Review Podcast. All it takes to join the game is to donate and be a part of our Patreon page. For $2 a month, you're guaranteed this style of game, as well as larger groups of four to six people, depending on how many people are able to record at whatever time we say we are going to. This will be done mostly over our Discord channel, which is another perk of our Patreon page. If you join for just a dollar, not only will you have access to all of the audio files there, but you can also listen to us live. We will be recording, like I said, on Discord, so just mute your mic and listen in on the fun. We really hope to see you all here, as this is something that we are very, very passionate about and want to keep going. This is a live-style game and will be a ton of fun for anybody that wants to join. If you have friends and groups, all of you guys can donate and play as a group when you are able to. I will not be the only DM. I know you guys are probably getting tired of hearing me, so we will also have guest DMs running their own games in this In My World, so we hope to see you there. This introduction is done with Hope playing Aura, and as you will notice, it was recorded in a couple of different segments, so there is a little bit of difference in the audio quality in a couple of spots. Alright, I'm playing Aura Farland, which is a soul knife. Uh, credits to Genuine Heathen on Reddit for making the soul knife. A little bit of uh, history on Aura is through a tragic accident when her powers manifested, the military came looking for her and her mother hid her away, and it wasn't until many years later that the military was able to find her, and instead of punishing her, they took her and her powers and trained her in the military, and over a decade later, she was able to escape. Okay. You were a weapon, a very effective one at that. Your abilities make you special even compared to those who you fought aside, including mages and wizards of the highest order. When witch hunters are sent out to nullify magic, you fight on. When clockwork eliminators jam gears and stall motors, you fight on. When mentalists cloud the minds and turn the most loyal of soldiers against each other, you fight on. Nothing can disrupt your powers as you channel them straight from your mind. There is very little that can stop you, and that makes you valuable in the eyes of every would-be lord and ruler. Such is the case of how you ended up in Wintermere. After years of training and years of battling, you're out on the frozen cap, putting down another incursion from the undercap. Drow have come up through the tunnels beneath the ice and attacked. It was a stalemate, but you were in the other way. You are now alone, wandering through the frozen wasteland, trying to make your way to the only source of escape you know of, which is Farfort. This is where we pick up. Right now, where you are located, you are, we'll call it, you've been wandering for a while, so we'll call it about 20 miles outside of the Crystal Temple, and another probably 150 miles to Farfort. The Crystal Temple, you know, is usually a place of safety, 
Um, they do have a strenuous alliance with Wintermere, but mostly in terms of security. So what would you like to do from here? Do you want to try to go through the Crystal Temple, seek aid there, or do you want to brave another 170 miles of frozen wasteland? How many days would 150 miles be for that like? Several days. Several. You're not 100% sure as it gives way to ice and snow and dunes and, and traveling isn't always at 30 feet to every six seconds, you know, it's not a normal movement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd stop at the Crystal Temple, try to get some rest before moving on. Alright, as you are traveling along the uh, those heated kind of stone type roads uh, between Wintermere and the Crystal Temple, you do notice that there are... I don't want to say footprints necessarily, as it is windy and snowy enough that that's not something that you frequently come across. But you do notice that there is kind of a more of a trail uh, leading off of one of the sides. There is kind of this stone road that's kept clear. But you do notice that there's kind of a, a trail that crossed this road earlier before continuing on down the road like you did. So somebody did enter this road probably within the last hour, hour and a half. Uh, that you did not, uh, or off of the wilderness. So go ahead and roll me either a survival check or a perception check to try and figure out uh, what all happened there, you know, how many people there might be or creatures or whatever it is. That is a 12. Okay, and was that survival or perception? That was survival. Okay, survival. Um, you're not exactly sure, given how windy it is and everything else, it's really hard to tell exactly how many people probably would have come through here. Um, but you do believe it's more than one individual. Um, but other than that, uh, they're just kind of general humanoid shape. Uh, you don't see any kind of drag marks like the tail. You know, you don't see uh, any kind of uh, fur or anything like that, blood or anything like that stuck to the snow. So it's kind of hard to tell what they are. Uh, you continue up the road for just a while, and uh, all of a sudden, a blast of wind, uh, unnaturally hard blast of wind, Uh, slams into you and you hear over like an overwhelmingly loud voice shout at you surrender your possessions and leave huh well can I see him at all or is it just I'm surrounded by wind and snow yeah this blast of wind just caught you in the face and so it's like trying to when you're driving and there's a blizzard you know it's really hard to see anything in front of you simply from the snow in your face alright um I guess I'm just gonna uh, kind of summon my crystals and then just kind of stand there and wait to see what happens. Okay. You kind of take a position and uh, stand your ground and uh, you notice that uh, the wind slowly begins to die down just a little bit and a crossbow bolt uh, fires at you. Let me see if that hits. No, that does not. uh, Well, I guess 14. Does that hit? Nope. Okay. I didn't think so. So a uh, crossbow bolt fires and slams up against um, the snowbank right on your side. Go ahead and roll me an issue. Ooh, that's not good. That's my first nat one of the night. <laughs> oh, woohoo! Okay. Oh, so what does that bring your initiative to total? Three. All right. They rolled an eight, so not a whole lot better, but a little bit better than a one. Okay, we will go ahead then and get started. So, <coughs> excuse me. So another crossbow bolt. Uh, flies towards you. Um, That will not hit either with a 15? Nope. Okay. 
Uh, another crossbow bolt, because of this wind and snow and stuff, there's just enough of the wind that it is uh, hindering them as well. And another crossbow bolt fires into the ground uh, close to where you are standing against one of the snowbanks. Uh, you see uh, two individuals as this uh, gusting wind begins to die down. Uh, let's see. Oh, okay. Um, you see um, two individuals in billowing gray, white, blue, kind of a very wintry-looking, uh, shifting-color-type robes. Uh, and you see um, two daggers all of a sudden appear in their hands, and they are launched towards you. Only these daggers seem to be, you know, kind of guided by the wind almost. One of those will hit you with an 18. The other one was a 17. Yep. Both hit? The 18 hits. Okay. All right, you take four points of piercing damage as this dagger slams into you, um, and uh, well, slices into your arm as it whizzes past. Um, you were able to move just out of the way enough to uh, keep it from hitting your face and neck, but it still does nick the side of your arm as it whizzes by. We then move on to you. You see the three of them ahead of you. They're only about 20, 25 feet at the most. Okay, um, I'm going to try and use my... Uh Oh, goodness, I already forgot what they're called. Sorry. My shard and immediately aim it at the one who hit me. Okay. And that is an 18. Oh, very easily, yes. All right. That is seven points of damage. Ouch, he is not doing good. All right. And that's all that I can do. All right. They reposition themselves a little bit, taking a little bit of cover. Uh, there isn't, you know, any official cover, but uh, they get off the main road and kind of up on that snowbank a little bit, getting a little bit of elevation. And you see the uh, front guy uh, with the crossbow take aim again and fire. Ah, what's he supposed to hit? Wrong page. Uh, That will hit you. That was an 18 again. Uh, And then the uh, two robed individuals stand up and chuck two more daggers at you. Uh, Neither of those will hit, I don't think. Uh, No, well, no, because 18 is your AC. uh, Highest on that one was a 16. So the crossbow will deal to you. Four points of piercing damage as well as it slams into you. Uh, it, it it pierces your side just a bit, and it definitely uh, uh, burns a little bit. Not like poison, but that wound definitely hurts uh, as it, it hits you. We then move back to you. All right. Um, still going for the one that I hit before. That is a 15? Yes. All right. That is nine points of damage. Okay, yes, that was more than enough for you very easily. He was pretty much gone as it was, um, but you slam a crystal shard into him, and it catches him right in the face, and he falls into the snow. We then move on to the other two. The one uh, other robed individual looks down at his partner and uh, is definitely not happy with what happened and charges towards you, dagger raised, and totally fumbles that. That was an eight. Uh, so he, he's, you know, kind of tromping through the snow, and by the time he gets down to you, he's pretty winded. And uh, his strike didn't have near the speed that it needed to connect. We then, uh, see, move on to the crossbow guy. Crossbow guy is going to once again try and line up a shot. That one will hit as well. That was an 18 uh, again. Uh, so we go ahead and deal to you. That wasn't very much. Two points. So this glancing blow, you're just able to kind of whip out of the way, but but still that that quick jerking motion, you know, you think you wrenched your knee or something a little bit, 
and so you still feel a little bit of pain from that. Uh, so go ahead then, and it's your turn. All right. Um, I'm not going to go for the uh, guy that charged at me. I'm going to take my shard and just kind of just completely just throw it at him. That is a 21. Holy cow, yes. And nine points of damage. Wow, that was significant. And you said that was the crossbow bolt or the other guy? Uh, the guy who, the dagger guy who just came at me. Okay, that was exactly what you needed. As he closed in uh, and he tried to stab at you, you you dodge over to the side real quick and launch one of those shards point blank. It catches him straight in the throat, which he clutches and falls to the ground. Uh, blood freezing as it touches the, the as it comes in contact with the air around him. Uh, there's just the one individual with the crossbow, and he's looking pretty wary at this point. Uh, he's going to fire off one last shot, but you can tell he's looking over his shoulder up the road a ways. Uh, that one won't hit. It is it is his need to get out of there. He fires, and it once again goes wide, uh, missing you entirely. And he turns and makes a break for it. He jumps back onto the heated road and continues up the path quite a ways. Uh, he is able to get movement speed because he didn't use his uh, action to run uh, or to dash, so that's only 30 feet is all he can move. We then move on to you. Alright, so how, he was 20 feet away before, so he's now 50 feet away, correct? Uh, correct, yes. Okay, alright, then I'm going to use my light shard to hit after him. Um... That is a 22. Yes, that very easily hits. Alright. That is 9 points of damage. He is almost dead at that. He's a little bit bulkier than the other two were. Uh, he seems to be more of a guide, uh, whereas the other two were some sort of fanatics of some variety. Uh, so you definitely catch him, and it is a grievous wound. Uh, you're, you're not exactly sure how he's continuing to run. Uh, maybe it's just the fear and the adrenaline. But uh, you definitely catch him, and it was a significant blow. Uh, he turns and fires once again at you, uh, trying to provide a little bit of cover for himself as he's running. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and, well, again, now he's going to turn around and actually fire straight. No, no disadvantage. That one uh, will, wait, no, plus three hit. So that one will not hit, only a 17, as once again the shot goes wide and uh, doesn't slam into you, but at that distance, you'd, you'd and with that bad of a wound, it's kind of hard to blame the guy. Uh, we then move on to, oh, and then he's going to run an additional 30 feet, so he would now be about 80 feet away from you. We then move on to your turn. Alright, um, so with the same light shard, I'll head after him again. Oh, that is 17. 17? Yes, that hits. Okay. And that's 7 points of damage. All right, that was more than enough what you, than what you needed. You catch him in the back as he goes to turn and run, and it lodges somewhere right in the center of his mass, and he falls to the ground, not moving. What would you like to do from here? You've got the, everything goes quiet, no other threats are around. Uh, there's just the two cultists that are right there next to you, or pretty close to you, uh, and then the one bandit that ran up the way. Um, well, first I want to check the bodies for any, like, insignia to identify, like, what exactly they were part of. Okay, yeah. You're able to, uh, find on the two robed cultists, uh, the, a white dragon head on their, um, uh, medallions or whatever. Uh, which you would know that since this is the frozen cap, you would know that Icewing is a white dragon, uh, an ancient white. So you would, uh, make that connection that they're probably tied to Icewing at some some ways. 
then I guess I just continued to loot the body, see what else I can find. Okay. Other than the two insignias, uh, you would not find one on the guide. Um, the guide would just have the basic provisions uh, that any kind of guide would have. Um, uh, crossbow bolts, crossbow, leather armor, uh, probably an explorer's pack. Not all there, but, you know, partially there. Um, other than that, on the cultists, all you really find is a day or two worth of rations uh, that aren't very great-looking rations. Uh, and you also find a strange-looking ring of some variety. It has two gemstones set into it, but these gems are, are cut in a way that make them also seem almost seem like one gem. Think kind of that yin-yang type symbol with the two so- stones kind of almost looking like they're merged together. Um, other than that, that is all that you find on um, so I, I'll take the ring and, I mean, they may not be great rations, but I'll take the rations. I'll take what I can get. Okay. And then I'm going to do my best I can to uh, kind of get the bodies off to the side of the road and cover up uh, any evidence that, you know, someone came through here. Okay, yeah, you're able to do the best that you can. The blood is going to be a pretty obvious giveaway, but um, and the bodies eventually will be dug up by some sort of predator. Uh, wolves and whatnot are obviously very uh, notorious around this area, so you're pretty sure that eventually they'll be taken care of. Um, but, uh, yeah, you're able to do your best. It doesn't take very long, a few minutes, uh, maybe 15 at the most, to uh, drag them off to the side and loot the bodies and everything. All right. Um, but after that, I guess I just slip on the ring and continue on my way. All right. Would you like to make an arcana check to try and identify what the ring is? Yeah. That is a 15. A 15. You're not quite sure um, what it does exactly, but while you're, you have it on, you, you feel almost like when you have a million thoughts running in your head, it's kind of hard to focus on any one thought, but while you're wearing this ring, you notice that you're cognitively able to separate out your ideas very, very easily. So then, other than that, um, is there anything else you'd like to do before you go? Just continue on my way. Alright, you continue on your way to the Crystal Temple. Alright, you continue walking throughout the day, and eventually you reach the Crystal Temple just as night is starting to fall. You would have enough knowledge to know that uh, Wintermere does send troops out to help protect the Crystal Temple, though they aren't allowed in. Um, the troops have small outposts and encampments along the outside. Would you try to infiltrate those, as you still are wearing all of your guard of a soldier, or would you go straight into the temple? Um, I would probably try to sneak through. Okay, go ahead and give me a stealth check. That is 18. 18. You are very easily able to sneak through the enemy encampment, especially considering it's getting dark, and that's when the real frigid temperatures hit. Um, so most of the, the people that are on watch are huddled near fires and other sources of warmth. You enter into the Crystal Temple, and you, you are almost immediately somebody comes up to, you know, shoot you back outside. The soldiers don't come in here, but they're hesitant. You don't, you're, you're not carrying your weapon that you would have been issued. You're not, you, even though you have your cloak on, you have discarded the emblem of your rank. Where, what would you say to this priest standing outside? It's okay, I'm not here to cause any trouble. I'm just passing through for my duties, and I was hoping you could give me a place to stay for the night. She is a little 
hesitant, but issues you in and uh, allows you to take a bed for the night and you fall almost immediately into exhausted sleep, having basically been running on fumes since your escape from the undercap area. Um, in the morning, you wake up before everybody else, as your training has always demanded you do, uh, despite the fact that exhaustion still racks your body. Do you try to continue on through, or do you sit and talk with the priest? Do you try to gain supplies? What would you be doing? Um, well, I already have plenty of rations and enough in my pack from going out before. If I noticed the priest that let me in, I'd probably stop her and say, thank you, I'm just leaving. I graciously, er, I thank you for graciously accepting me. You look around, and you don't find her exactly, but you see another um, priestess around. Um, you're pretty sure it's kind of rotating shift kind of thing. Different people are awake at different times, uh, helping passersby and the stragglers that come through. Uh, and they're a little bit confused, but they don't, they're not one to get political and report you back to Wintermere. Um, but the, the priestess that you do talk to would say, do, do you wish to say any prayers? Any the shrines are always open for those that, that seek guidance. Um, if not, we'd be happy to pack you a hot um, cup of whatever the soup is that they're making and, and send you on your way. Make sure to put some boiling water in that flask. That'll help keep you warm. In that water skin, that'll help keep you warm as well. It's a long trek to Parkport. Why, thank you. I will take the soup. Thank you. Okay. Um, and she just hands it to you, and you have a couple of choices now. Would you try to wait for a caravan? Would you try to fall back into the with the army, and you know they make regular patrols up and back to Parkport, or would you try to sneak, you know, start out on your own? I would go out on my own. Okay. You start to walk out, and you know that it's a very far trek. It's like I said, more than a hundred miles out there, and you get out of ways and. Your, your senses are... You, you get the feeling of being watched, almost. You've been walking for several hours now, probably six, seven hours, getting ready to, to at least stop for a while to take a break, and um, you get that feeling of being watched. Um, can I make a perception check? Yeah, go ahead. 18? 18. Though the, the sun off the snow is blinding, you do see what appears to be a small pack of wolves. Not terribly large wolves, slightly starved wolves, but you do see a pack of them, about four or five that you can see so far, up on the far ridge, which is a little bit of an omen, uh, as the leader of Wintermere, um, the army that you abandoned is actually um, um, a beast folk, and so it's a little bit ominous that the wolves should appear just as you're trying to make your escape. Well, I'm going to take my polar bear cape, and I'm going to put the hood up and just kind of wrap it around and try to continue on without okay. necessarily being spotted. Go ahead and give me a stealth check then, um, and I'm going to roll directly against it as opposed to um, advantage, because even though they have advantage on scent, I'm going to say that polar bear scent was enough to help mass. What did you roll? 17. 17. That is much higher than their 10 plus whatever they have. So, um... You're able to just kind of hunker down, and while the wolves get close, they don't ever really pick up your scent. And you're able to eventually continue on down the road. You have to camp several times. Your your attempts to make fire are barely working. Um, but you do manage to get all the way to Farport without too terrible much trouble. 
um, other than the, like I said, the occasional patch of ice, the large dunes that you sink up to your waist in snow, the blowing winds, you're able to get to Farport. Um, but once again, you are met with the challenge that this is also a very garden city. While it is more free, quote-unquote, than most cities, um, with the merchants being the ones that have the money and the power, um, you are basically surrounded by those who would use whatever info, info they had to make a buck. I think the best option is probably just try to take the route least likely to see anyone. Okay. You're kind of sneaking along the outskirts of the town and attempting to stay hidden and ducking a few behind a few alleyways and whatnot. And you do see what appears to be in a patrol of security, of soldiers, mercenaries. You're not exactly sure. They don't appear to be wearing any identifiable anything. But then again, in these temperatures, it's hard to tell what army anybody belongs to underneath the thick fur cloaks that they wear. Um. How many? Can I see, like, how many I think there are? There are five. Five Okay. And they've definitely seen me, it looks like. You're not, I mean, there's lots of people around, so they see you, but they haven't, like, drawn swords yet. But it is a bit odd for somebody to be walking around the outskirts of town. I'm probably just gonna look confident in what I'm doing, and just kind of try walking in. Okay, go ahead and give me a deception check, then. Oh, goodness. Seventeen. Seventeen. They rolled a nat twenty. Oh. They they notice that while you are attempting to be stealthy and you know confident and not get any kind of weird attention, they do stop and start walking your direction. You can tell now as they get closer, three of them are beast folk, while two of them are Elves, humans, half-elves, you're not exactly sure. They've got cloaks up, so you can't really see the um, ears and whatnot, but they do have finer features, um, sharper features. Uh, The three that are approaching you, two of them are feline-type beast folk, and one of them is definitely lupine, either fox or wolf. You can't tell at this distance. Okay, I'd probably just kill them and... Using the same salute or whatever that the army would use? Okay. You salute them, and they... Back off, not back off, but they kind of slow their pace just a little bit. A single soldier here is definitely not something that is very common. So do you just wait for them to approach you? Do you approach them? What do you do? I wait for them to approach me. They approach you and they say, what's one soldier doing out here? Ambush gone wrong. I'm only here to report in and then head back. Report in? Why would you not go back to Winterbeer? It's a long day's track. It was closer coming here to get some rest after such a arduous task. And where was this ambush at? <laughs> well, I don't believe that that information is vital for you to know. Okay, go ahead and give me a deception check. That was pretty good. Fourteen. They rolled a thirteen. Nice. <laughs> So, they are hesitant to believe you, but they're, they're, they reluctantly do. Well, in that case, let's take you up to the local command post. We'll walk you there. Alright. They escort you towards where you know is the command post. There's not really a military presence here, but as all supplies come through Barport, they do have enough of a presence here to at least arrange caravans back and forth, uh, escort 
whatnot to Blintermere. Um, so they do take you to that command post, and a very large hulking Goliath stands at the head of this post. You recognize him. You may not have spoken to him more than a few times. Uh, his name was. His name was. Oh God! A history check. That is a thirteen. A thirteen. Go ahead and roll me odd or even. Odd gets you the first name. Uh, even gets you the last name. Even. Even. You know that their name their goes by oh god, what was it? Uh throw troll 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 trollgar, you think. How do you address him? Uh so sir throw skull. No, you're fine. You know his rank um, would be basically quartermaster is how he would be addressed. As he's not really a ranked soldier, but he is in charge of supplies. So it would be uh, uh, quartermaster Thrallgall. Quartermaster Thrallgall. On my head. Okay. What are you doing here? Where's your rank? Where's your insignia? Uh, there was an ambush gone wrong, as I'm sure you've heard of the ambush that my troop was supposed to go on. I haven't been informed of any operations in this area. Alright, then I guess we'll have to check with the commander. <laughs> I, I can and give any more information if you, are not, if you are not in the loop, then I guess it's not vital information. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's yes. Balls of solid steel. All right. Um, this, is oh, to, this is a need to know mission. Yeah. You don't need to know. <laughs> exactly. The commander. And how do you suppose we get a message to him that quickly? What am I supposed to do? Put you up for three days while a messenger rides there and back? Well, I was planning on going back myself and reporting in on my own, but if you want to put me up for three days... It just so happens there's a caravan that's going to be heading out tomorrow. You can join them and march back with them. All right. Until then, get some food, find a place to rest, and meet, uh, meet us here at daybreak tomorrow. All right. I will see you then. All right. You've been given leave to go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um... The five troops, or whatever, the mercenary-type people or whatever go, they never even entered the command tent. They just wanted to see if you'd actually go in or not, because deserters are not uncommon here. And so if you have been a deserter, the army pays handsomely for the heads of deserters. So they continue on down their way. Since you actually went into the tent, they figured you were actually legit, or the commander or the quartermaster would take care of you there. I'm probably just going to... Well... How far would the... Is there, like, an end within eyesight that he'd be able to see if I wanted to or not? There's only really one main road. Think of it kind of like Carney. There's a main drag going throughout town. Um, basically goes straight from the docks out of town. So most of the inns and businesses are located on that main track. He couldn't see it if he stepped outside the tent-ish yurt thing, as all these structures are fairly nomadic in nature, not solid buildings. But um, you, you would be all right. I mean, you're pretty sure there's always a back door to an inn somewhere, windows you can jump out of. Yeah, I'm probably just going to try to take the path least traveled by to straight to the port to try to get out as soon as I could. Not going to stop at a tavern or anything? Straight to the boats? Straight. All right, you go straight to the boats. And they're fairly wary of soldiers in this area as either they're there, one, to beat and bribe, or beat people and get bribes, um, to 
secure items on ships that are contraband and not allowed, they confiscate, or they're deserters. One of the three. So all the ships and whatnot are fairly wary of you at this point. Um, as you approach any of them, you know, most of the crew kind of perks up and kind of watches, not staring at you directly, but kind of out of the corner of their eye, keeping track of where you are and what you're doing. Where would you go from there? You see six or seven boats docked right now. Oh, I probably, there's probably no way to see what boats go where. I'd probably just have to ask someone what it is. Yeah, you're fairly certain you'd have to ask. You can tell four of them are definitely cargo. Um, they're large, barge-ish type ships. Um, at least one of them is probably fishing or crabbing or something along those lines. Some sort of, because they've got the big winch and the nets and the, all that kind of stuff. The other three, you don't have any real identifiable markers on them. Um, would I have knowledge of knowing like what, what would be my best to get off the frozen cap? and go to a different island. Cargo obviously goes somewhere else in the world. You're not sure where. The Fisher boat is going to stay likely in the area. The other three, you're not really sure without talking to somebody. And the other three were smaller than a cargo? Yeah, they were much smaller. They were more like, I don't want to say like, um, they would be your classic ship with the, you know, three masts, you know, fairly large, but these, but the cargo ships are huge vessels. So these are what you picture as a normal ship for lack of a better term. I'll go to one of the smaller ships and i try to see if there's anyone that looks the most foreign, I guess, to see if there's any that would look like they're not from the cap. Okay. Um, being as the frozen cap is basically the Antarctica of the world, the only people that are there are there for a good reason. Um, most people here are foreigners, but you do see some that appear to be very underdressed for the weather. Not they're, I mean, they're cold in their winter clothes, not like super heavy furs and whatnot. So they would be the most foreign out of the group that you see. I'm going to go over towards them. Okay, as you approach them, um, you do notice one is very... You, what's your race again? I'm half-elf. Half-elf, okay. Um, you do notice that you can, you're can. you understanding the elvish despite the shivers and the, the rattling jaw because they're trying to talk, but it's so cold here, damn it, that um, you're able to make out enough that basically they brought wine here because the Lord of Wintermere is a wine lover, and there is very little to do in this place other than hunt and drink. And so good elven wine has been brought down uh, from Port City on this whole trek um, to Wintermere. And they are just offloading it, and they are ready to get out of here as quickly as possible and get back to warm drink, mold wine, none of this frozen stuff, and they, they want to leave now. And where is that? Hmm? And where is that? They're heading back to Port City. Right. Well, would you mind if I tagged along with you? I can pay for my ride. We don't care about payment. We just want to leave now. And there's a hold where the soldiers will not let us leave until they've searched the entire ship. You're obviously a soldier. Can you just search us so we can go, please? Yes. Well, then hurry up. Okay. And they, and they just kind of... Alright, so do you do your kind of little walk around the ship and all that kind of stuff? Alright, you do your little walk in there and then you come back down the deck and they're like, Alright, can we leave now? Because if I stay here any longer, the ends of my ears are going to fall off. Let's go. Um, let's go? We we don't... We're taking you back with us? Yeah, that's what I asked for. If I can catch a ride with you back. Uh, uh, I suppose if that's allowed of... Uh, 
Uh, it, it, it's allowed. Don't worry about it. Uh, okay, uh, well, let, let's go then. Okay. And so they set sail and you depart back to Port City. <laughs> oh my gosh. <gasps> All right, so you've been on the boat for a while now, and not a whole lot has been going on. You've been practicing, you know, using your different mental abilities, probably communicating with dolphins or some such thing that you would do. Um, (laughs) And uh, uh, you're able to kind of meet some of the different uh, members of the crew. And since this is a ship that is originally from the Tangle, uh, headed to Port City... Uh, most of the crew are elves. Um, you do meet one elf named uh, Rania, who is kind of the the ship mage and whatnot. Uh, and you're able to become friends with her and whatnot simply because it's a long, long trip, and you got to have somebody to talk to. And she does notice that your ring is a little bit odd. She is able to identify it um, using all sorts of different weird means. And uh, she tells you that it is a ring of the split mind. And what it allows you to do is focus on different things um, kind of at the same time. As as if you're thinking two thoughts at once, your body is able to react to those thoughts. So it functions basically as an action surge. Once per long rest when you activate it, or you activate it as a free action kind of a thing, as a reaction, I guess. Um, Activate it as a reaction. And you are able then to gain an additional action on that turn. Uh, once you do so, you can you cannot do that again until a long rest. All right. All right. Other than that, um, you meet several other elves. Uh, Rainia would uh, definitely, as a member of the Mages Guild, say, you know, try and make the Mages Guild sound really, really good to you. Um, because they're always looking for people, and even though you're trying to keep your psionics a little bit on the down low, she would be able to kind of sense that you have some sort of power about you, but not necessarily magical power and not divine power. So she's kind of able to guess. So she would definitely try and, you know, talk up the Mage's Guild to you and whatnot, and uh, uh, you meet several other elves there. The the merchant elves that you originally met talk up how good the mer- the merchant's guild is. I mean, look at them. They have their own ship. You know, they, they ferry wine all over the world, as cold as part of the world may be. You know, uh, there are a lot of the sailors there that are part of the fighter's guild, the ones that are kind of the escorts, you know, while they're in town, the bodyguards of these merchants. Um, you have even a couple of interesting tinkers that are a lot like yourself kind of catching passage going back and forth as Farport in um, the Frozen Cap is kind of a, a eclectic place uh, with all sorts of people and skills and varieties um, and then there's also a cleric of the ocean uh, uh, a water cleric basically uh, who would talk up the temple guild and how you know there's nothing better than being in direct contact with your deity and and receiving their blessings and all of that kind of stuff. So they would all talk up the guilds to you and kind of give you an idea of what Port City is like so that when you get there, you're not totally lost. They all tell you about their favorite tavern, none of which you can remember because tavern names are all basically the same thing, just in different situations, you know. Uh, Take your favorite band name and then add your street address to it, and that's your tavern name or whatever. Um, So it's a pretty crazy trip, but you're able to very easily get to Port City without a problem. 
So you arrive in Port City, and uh, you see that there are a lot of people milling about, tearing down different kind of decorations, and packing up stalls, and and that kind of stuff. Some sort of festival or event just had taken place, something like that. Uh, so today would be the 17th of planting, uh, which is in the water season. It would be kind of equivalent to a very early spring when people are just starting to sow seeds in gardens and that kind of stuff. Um, you know, getting ready for the the summer and all of that kind of stuff. So um, you arrive on the 17th of planting and you deport or, uh, you know, get off the ship in uh, Port City. And the first thing you notice is how how big the city is and how, despite how big it is, how many people are actually in it. Like, it is the most crowded you have ever seen. And you've been in some really packed barracks before, you know, with soldiers just lined up all over. And this is this is even worse because it seems like there's all the space they should be able to move. But it's still very, very densely packed. Uh, you would have been given a little bit of basic understanding of the city uh, by your elven uh, friends on the ship and all that kind of stuff. And as a half-elf yourself, uh, they would encourage you to check out the elven district which would be kind of on the east end of town a little bit. Uh, They say that there is a a nice inn over there that you can stay in for relatively cheap, um, run by elves also. Uh, It's as close to home as you're going to get. There's an orchard there, and while they're kind of, you know, I don't want to say magically modified trees, they're not 100% natural grown. They're definitely helped along by quite a bit of druidic magic. But, you know, it's as close to the, the elven kind of feel as what you're going to get. Alright, um, yeah, I'll head down to the Elven District then. Alright, you head down to the Elven District, and uh, just as you're getting up to the inn, you see um, an individual in a gray cloak. Well, at least you think it's gray. You go to look at the cloak, because it is a very fantastic, you know, looking cloak, but your eyes just kind of wander off, but you don't really want to notice it. Which is a little bit weird, but you know, there's enough magic and everything else. You're you're not too bothered by it. Um, so you see this this individual leaving the inn um, as you enter it. Um, you go into the inn and you're greeted by Elvish. Basically, everybody here pretty much is speaking Elven. So it's it's a homier feel than what you would normally you know expect in a huge city like this. Um, and you're immediately given um, food upon walking in. And uh, told the rate for rooms is very, very cheap. Um, um, so you're able to stay a week. Um, and I'll get you the numbers later, what it actually was. It's not very much. So you're able to stay the week. And uh, the innkeeper says that, you know, you're willing to do a little bit of work around here. He'd be more than welcome or more than willing to take a little bit off the price. Um, give you, a, you know, a couple nights for free. You know, at the uh, to extend your week out just a little bit, um, you wouldn't have to do a whole lot. Just you know, help pick up the common room. You know, uh, help out in the orchard a little bit. Anything interesting that you bring back, you know, if you let him check it out or whatever, uh, and if it's useful to the end, you let him buy it from you first at a fair, reasonable price. Obviously, um, you know, he'll he'll help you out a little bit and take some off the top of your room price. That sound okay? Yeah, I'm grateful. Thank you. Okay. Uh, he also says that if you're willing, if you're looking for work and wanting to make a few extra coin, uh, go down to the Mages Guild area. They've got uh, work boards up there, job boards that you can check out, and they're always sending people out through the, all the different portals and 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 everything else. And that's where kind of the guilds post jobs 
So if you're looking for something to do and a way to make a few extra coins, I encourage you to check out uh, the Mages Guild. In fact, they usually have groups that are that leave, um, I think, today, the day of battles. Yeah, today's the 17th. So, yeah, they, they would have people leaving today for their first time through. It would be a good time to run up there and, and check to see what's going on. All right. Thank you for letting me know. And then I'd go and check that out. All right. He shows you where his room is. You set down all the stuff that you may have brought with you. And uh, he promises when you get back, there will be a hot meal for you and uh, gives you directions to the Mage's Guild. There are a ton of people, like I said, so it's a little bit of a pain in the butt getting to where you're going without bumping into every, you know, every other individual of every race, class, size, shape, everything. Um, But you're able to get up there and you do notice that there are quite a few people uh, milling about this area. And in fact, you just see a large group of individuals of weird variety, including that one gal in the gray cloak, uh, take off, uh, running out so, out of the city. Uh, they there it appears to be uh, there's on some sort of very important job. There's a lot of talk and commotion about Silverleaf and about uh, the farm disappearing and the curse and all of this kind of stuff as these adventurers rush out. Um, other than that, you're able to see that there are uh, job boards posted all over, and you can see that these jobs range in uh, price uh, or in bounty and in difficulty, you know, all over the place. Uh, other than that, you kind of poke your head in the Mages Guild, and you see that there are several groups of individuals all walking into this very large portal in the center of the room. And uh, when I say large portal, I'm not talking about, you know, it's a, the size of a doorway or anything like that. I, this is like, you know, a story tall and wide enough for four or five carts to go through, you know, width-wise and not brush up against each other. Huge portal. And there are a lot of gray-robed mages and individuals talking to these different groups and kind of coaching them as they step into this portal. Uh, do you flag any of them down and figure out what's going on, or do you want to check out the job board, or just kind of people watch for right now? Um, I'd be more interested in looking at the job board and seeing what else there is. Okay. On the job board, you see all sorts of different things. Um, from different families, you notice, you know, all sorts of different crests, uh, to even one that you notice is Wintermere. Uh, they're recruiting people to come down to, uh, Wintermere, um, in the frozen cap and join the army against the ice, the fight against Icewing, you know, and they're paying extra for anybody that has any kind of dragon slaying abilities. Um, so there's literally any job that you can think of. They range from go fetch this golden apple on the other end of town and return it to me. <laughs> you know, really, really easy fetch quests to um, all the way up to, like I said, taking down Icewing. So there are all manner of different ones out there. Hmm. All right, I definitely take note of the winter mirror, and uh, just kind of, it makes me more cautious of looking around and making sure that I don't see anyone with the insignia, just really trying to stay hidden and don't want to be recognized from that. Yeah, um, yeah. you notice um, at the bottom of the note, uh, it says to inquire down at the harbor, or down at the docks, inquire there with the dockmaster. Uh, to secure a ship to go across, so this isn't this is less of a hire here and more of a hey come here and then we'll hire. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, yeah, keeping that in mind, I just I'd look for uh, a more simple job, something that's not gonna take 
too long, just so I can start getting a little bit more coin in my purse. Okay, yeah. Uh, let's see, with psionics, um, doo-ba-doo. Okay, um, you're very easily able to, uh, find a couple of simple jobs, nothing too crazy. Uh, you're able to find one that is a, a delivery kind of a thing. The Mages Guild needs extra hands to help deliver goods, so you're able to, you know, cart goods around the city, and it also gives you a chance to explore a little bit all the different districts and that kind of thing. Uh, you return to the Mages Guild for pay, you're able to get five silver pieces from this really quick job. You know, a couple hours would put you into mid-afternoon, let's say. So, yeah, you were able to wander around the city for a couple hours, uh, get kind of a feel for things and explore and all of that kind of stuff. And it's getting to be early afternoon, getting into kind of an early dinner time, you know, somewhere around 4 or 5 o'clock. And you're able to make your way back to the Elven District. You are met there at the end with uh, hot food, of course, uh, ready and waiting. And uh, you sit down to take your meal, and the innkeeper just kind of informs you as kind of what's going on, who's in power, all of that kind of happy fun stuff, catches you up to speed on what's going on, and says if you ever need a ride to the Tangle, uh, just to let him know he can secure you a ship, a uh, ride on a ship, uh, back very, very easily. He does say he's a little bit concerned as all sorts of strange portals have been opening up in Fayport recently, and it's it's getting to be kind of crazy. Uh, the gray-cloaked individual that was here just this morning actually came from uh, the Tangle uh, and had to deal with some of those crazy portals, and there were these weird insectoid-type creatures that seemed to be coming out of one of them, and it's, it's scary to think about, you know, large, you know, crazy creatures from other dimensions popping through in Fayport, you know? Uh, here at the Mage's Guild, that happens every once in a while. A creature follows them back through the portal, but but never that close to their home, you know? So, other than the neutral chit-chat, you don't really, you know, nothing really happens. It's just kind of a lazy night at the end. Is there anything else you'd like to do real quick before calling it a night? Um, no, not for today. All right. Then you, uh, after you eat, you uh, retire back to your rooms, and we will go ahead and end from here. All right. Thank you very, very much, Hope. Uh, go ahead and say goodbye. Thank you, Bob. Uh, bye. All right. Thank you for listening to this introduction of The Chaos Plan. We hope you really enjoyed it. Uh, I know this is a ton of fun for us here, and we are open to bringing in absolutely anybody that wants to. Just join our Patreon account, and we promise that you will be a part of The Chaos Plan game. You will get an intro mission like this, and then at least one group mission, and when scheduling works out with everybody, we can get multiple groups going as this isn't going to be one continual storyline. This is going to be a series of one-shots that all meld together into an overarching idea and campaign. So if this is something that interests you, if there's a homebrew you really want to play, if there's a class, a race, something that really resonates with you you, that you think would be a lot of fun to bring here, we encourage you to join the Patreon, put it up, and we will make it happen. Uh, You will also get a custom magic item that will grow with you throughout the campaign, and you can help use that item to shape the adventure in what you do. So if this is something that you feel interests you, please, please, please join our Patreon account, and we would be more than happy to get you on the show here. To do that, go to patreon.com slash adventuringguild, and I hope to see you there.